Women have been giving birth for centuries, so it's a pretty natural experience, right? Wrong. I'm Stephanie King, professional doula, childbirth educator, and the creator of the My Essential Birth Course, the online childbirth education course that's helping women everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. Today's culture would have us think that birth should be treated like an illness or an emergency, and that most of us need other people telling us what's best for our bodies because we aren't the experts. So sit tight, because if you're tuning into this podcast, you'll probably start to believe in your body, your intuition, and find yourself empowered and confident to do what it takes to have the birth of your dreams. If you like listening to me take you through these weekly topics step-by-step, then you're going to love the My Essential Birth course. Make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast and definitely head over to myessentialbirth.com for the free downloads mentioned right here in these episodes and to join the birth course and community full of pregnant moms just like you. I have to add a disclaimer that I am not a medical professional and I cannot provide medical advice. All of the information expressed in this podcast are based off of personal, professional, and educational experiences and are my own opinions. Please work with a provider you trust for medical advice during your pregnancy and birth. All right, today's episode is going to be all about placenta previa. And it's kind of a funny topic because the truth is, if you're listening and you have no idea what that word means, it's because you probably haven't come upon this issue in your pregnancy and birth yet. And that is okay. You may haven't heard it yet, but you're going to learn all about it today. And if you're earlier in your pregnancy, maybe you haven't heard about it, but you're going to. If you're later in your pregnancy, maybe you have heard about it and you have some questions. Either way, we're going to cover them here. I know if you're listening in to this podcast, it's because at a minimum, you're likely going to be looking for a vaginal birth in some form. And this is one of those things that we don't have control over that may affect the outcome. This thing being placenta previa. Don't worry though. I'm going to walk you through this topic, what it's all about, who's at risk for it and what to expect as your baby grows and you approach your due date. Okay. So first off, let's talk about the placenta. Um, Most of you know, if you're pregnant that you have a placenta, but where does it come from? And this is kind of neat. Literally when you get pregnant, your body creates an entire other organ that helps you to grow your baby. The placenta gives oxygen through blood and it's connected by the umbilical cord. It also, as it's doing all this oxygen and all this blood, all this working through it, it's removing waste. So it's actually a really important organ that your baby's gonna use the whole time. Okay, so where does the placenta normally attach? The truth is it can kind of attach all over the place, but once you get that little baby in your uterus and this placenta decides to attach wherever it decides to attach and starts to grow, then you might run into some different things. So typically it attaches in the posterior meaning uh, the back of the uterus towards your back. And so you may or may not really notice anything about it other than the fact that you have a placenta. Um, Something that they'll check during ultrasound is just to make sure that you've got a decent amount of blood flow and that everything looks nice and clean and clear in there. Now, if you have a placenta that attaches in the front of your belly, or in other words, anterior, so what you might end up noticing if you have this is that you might feel less movement, like moms that are like, oh, I felt my baby move at 12 weeks or 13 weeks you might not feel your baby move closer to like four or five months, or at least that like kicking, pounding motion in the front of your belly. Um, It takes longer to feel them, just like I explained. And then it's harder to hear the baby's heartbeat. So if you go in just one of your normal checks with your doctor and they use the heart tone monitor, it'll be a little more tricky for them to find that heart rate. So nothing to worry about, just means you got a little placenta in the way. The other thing that it may or may not cause issues with is some prenatal testing. Like if you chose to do amniocentesis, then it becomes a little more tricky It's not that you can't do it. It's just that they need to work around that placenta. So that kind of moves us into placenta previa. So this is where the uterus not the uterus, the placenta attaches down low and covers either fully or partially your cervix. And 
obviously you could see why that might be an issue if you're trying to have a vaginal birth and birth a baby through that area but it's basically it's pretty common actually so we see it in about one in 200 pregnancies in other words it's not ridiculously uncommon it happens so I want to talk to you a little bit about who is at risk for it kind of like when and how it's diagnosed what the concern is and don't worry we're going to get to the good stuff that makes it okay no matter what but who's at risk for it so if you've had a baby before then you're at risk for it if you're over the age of 35 that magic number that we like to throw out there then you are at risk for it if you've had some kind of abdominal surgery and so for moms who have either had a prior cesarean birth or you've had some kind of uterine fibroid removal or you've had a miscarriage and you have a dilation and curettage or a dnc then all of those things affect that uterine area and they say increases the risk for having placenta previa on top of that if you have had twins or multiples or if you're pregnant with twins or multiples because of the fact that either the placenta is bigger or in some cases you have two placentas then again more likely that they would attach in that area or more you know more of a chance that that would happen um, but keep in mind that we're talking about true placenta previa in late pregnancy and I'll kind of explain what that means in just a moment but stick with me so this is how it's diagnosed okay you're gonna go in for your ultrasound and we as moms were like oh it's the ultrasound where they tell us if it's a boy or a girl the sex of the baby right and for us, that's literally, in my opinion, all we're probably thinking about when it comes to that ultrasound. The truth is they're doing this anatomy scan and they want to see all kinds of things. They're measuring baby. They're measuring different parts of the baby. They're checking out the placenta. They're looking at blood flow. They're listening to heart rate. There's all things that are happening during that ultrasound. But typically we see these ultrasounds at about 16 to 20 weeks. Now, placenta previa is actually really common during early pregnancy. So if you're seeing it, if a doctor is concerned or and maybe they might say it as the ultrasound, not the ultrasound tech, but when it gets sent back to your provider, they might say, it looks like you have a low-lying placenta. That's the most common term that moms are going to hear when they head back to their provider. And if that's the case, then low-lying placenta means we're curious to know if that placenta is covering the cervix at all. And if we're looking at an issue that we need to pay attention to now and in a future time. So if your provider is looking at that ultrasound and decides, it looks like we might be concerned about about how close this placenta is lying to that cervix and they're saying it looks like you have a low-lying cervix then they're likely going to order a vaginal ultrasound so obviously they go through the vagina and they're able to get the wand right up on the cervix so they can literally measure the distance if to see if is it covering it all the way is it one millimeter is it three millimeters away, how far away is it from that cervix? And that will give them more information to know how to proceed as they go forward. I want you to stay positive here though, because remember it might only partially be covering the cervix. And in fact, that is what typically happens. That's the most common thing that we see. And so if you're wondering what the concern is, obviously if you have anything that's in the way of the cervix, particularly the placenta that's giving that blood and oxygen and all the nutrients to your baby in the way of the cervix as baby is trying to come down and out then they're not going to be able to make their entrance through that way so as labor begins if you have this issue and particularly if it's unknown which I'll talk about in a minute because today it's pretty rare that it is unknown but if you didn't know and your your uterus starts contracting you go into labor you're probably going to start seeing some blood and whether that's a trickle or a gush and that would be really scary. Um, it also means that you're kind of moving towards probably having to have an emergency cesarean birth because baby can't make it through there. And for whatever reason, it wasn't known. So we don't see so much of that today. 
However, it does happen occasionally. So typically it gets diagnosed pretty early on, just like I said, because most of us go for those anatomy scans and we want to see, is it a boy or girl? And then they'll choose to send you on your way to your next appointment and have that vaginal ultrasound. So next you wanna probably know what you should ask your doctor. The questions when you walk into your doctor's office and talk about this is probably like, okay, so how low is the placenta when you're saying low lying? Um, and you can straight up ask like, are you concerned or how concerned are you about what information we have in front of us? Basically, you wanna know if it sounds like you have a complete previa, which is totally covering the cervix, or if you have a partial. And if you do have a partial, you wanna be able to ask him, okay, like how many millimeters is that? What does that look like for me? Because you want to get an idea of what this is going to look like for you going forward. Um, obviously, there's some things that you need to know about when to call your doctor. They would go over all of this with you, but I'll just tell you if there is any bleeding at any time at all, you call your doctor on the way to the hospital. And so this is something where we teach everybody, especially in the birth course though. Like if you are ever experiencing a trickle of blood, a gush of, of blood, um, if you have bleeding with or without contractions, with or without pain, literally any like red blood coming out, then you need to head to the hospital and let your provider know on the way. All right, just for fun, let's pretend I guess it's not fun. For not fun purposes, let's pretend that you have been diagnosed with it and then let's move on to what happens next. So if it ends up fully covering the cervix um, and or not moving away as time goes on, you're likely going to be referred to a high-risk doctor. But I hope that you know that high-risk doctors are actually a little more chill when it comes to these kinds of things than other doctors. And that's because they, they deal with it all the time. Um, I will tell you if you are a home birth or a birth center mom, then yes, that does mean that you're probably moving to a hospital birth. But at that point, I think everybody would feel good about that. That would be the safest thing for mom and baby. So some things to expect are you may or may not experience any kind of bleeding. Some moms have no bleeding at all, and it's not even an issue that way. However, if you do have bleeding, you're going to be closely monitored and you may require some bed rest. You may have an earlier cesarean birth if there's bleeding or any other concerns. But know that the goal is actually to keep baby inside of your body and growing as long as possible. And so, I mean, if there is a concern, then they're looking at, yes, maybe we would do it at about 34 to 35 weeks, but they're definitely aiming for that 36 weeks plus, even all the way to term. Now, don't worry. I told you I was going to leave you with the good news and I absolutely intend to do that. So you should know, just like I said at the beginning, it's actually really common to see this at a 16 to 20 week anatomy scan to see what is considered a low lying placenta or even a placenta that is partially covering the cervix. So so again, that is nothing to worry about. The good news is that the placenta can only move up. So it's not like it crawls around and decides where it's going to hang out and can cover your cervix more than what it's already doing. If you have a partial low-lying placenta, it's going to move up. Even if it doesn't end up moving all the way, just know it can only move up. It's not going to move down. As your belly grows and stretches, it's going to help pull that cervix up. And so as it does that, it pulls the placenta with it. The other good news is that because these scans are done early, these are often caught early. And so women that we used to see issues having this, you know, later on in their pregnancy, don't really experience that anymore because it's caught early on. You get sent for the second vaginal ultrasound and then you move on to a high-risk doctor if necessary. If you do have a placenta that covers your cervix, uh, the good news is that your doctor knows exactly how to handle that and they'll take those next steps to make sure that you and baby are safe. You can also still have a beautiful birth even if a cesarean becomes necessary. This is something we cover in the birth course, but I want to tell everyone listening right now that providers are more and more open to doing natural things even for cesarean birth. 
birth. So if you've ever heard of a gentle cesarean, which I will make sure to attach that to the show notes here, we've got our gentle cesarean plan. There are things that can make it more comfortable for you. Things like allowing your arms to be free, putting on music that you want to listen to. You can pull the screen down and be able to see your baby be born. You can do skin to skin on the table. You can nurse right there on the table. Dad can do skin to skin while you're getting stitched up and still be in the room. There's a ton of things that can happen that make it way more comfortable um, and natural and normal than there ever used to be. And so even if you're scheduling that cesarean birth, it's totally fine and you can still have an excellent birth experience. The other part of that is if you know that you're planning for a cesarean birth, which is not often the case, then you can plan for the postpartum. And that includes all of the help that you're going to need. Postpartum is not just those first six weeks. However, when you've had a cesarean birth, especially those first six weeks are very important. You're healing from major abdominal surgery. You're trying to learn to nurse your new baby. You and your partner are trying to figure things out. There's food to be made. You're going to need help sitting up in the bed when you go to nurse. There's a lot of things to plan for. And so this is the great time to like reach out to neighbors and friends, talk to family that's nearby, or even bring somebody, be able to fly somebody in. You know, chances are you'll probably have an idea of when that cesarean birth is going to happen. And so instead of flying a mom in at 38 weeks, because you swear you're going to give birth early and she's and she needs to leave at week 40 and you deliver at week 42, you can schedule some of those a little bit easier. And so that can actually bring some peace and calm to your birth space. The last good news I want to leave you with is that just because you've had placenta previa once doesn't mean that you'll have it again. And so maybe this is your first birth and you had every intention of going unmedicated and having a natural vaginal birth. That's okay. Just because you've had this cesarean birth, does not mean you can't have a vaginal birth after cesarean. Um, And it doesn't mean that your placenta is going to attach where it attached this time. And it's it's so weird because it really is just kind of random. So if you do end up with placenta previa, make sure that you reach out on Insta, Instagram, on Insta, Instagram. So be encouraged just because you had placenta previa once doesn't mean you're going to have it again. And if for any reason you have it to the point that you need to have a cesarean birth, vaginal birth after cesarean is definitely in your future. That's it for this week, but make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you get notifications first as I drop new episode every week. And don't forget to head over to my essentialbirth.com for all of the free downloads mentioned here and to join the birth course and community serving pregnant moms just like you. If you enjoyed this and other episodes, I would love it if you would take a few minutes to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I read every single one and include one at the beginning of each episode. See you next week.